Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined by Sean McGuigan. Hello. And Robert Borthwick. Hello. Right guys, we're back once again to do what we did last week and pour over three games from the lower leagues over the weekend and then we'll get to our most memorable Scotland match. The next in the countdown as we enter the top nine. Are you excited? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so is that, so, so there's the one we're talking about today, is that ninth? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll reveal that later on, but uh, we'll begin with our, our tour around the lower leagues, uh, stopping off at, at three destinations, and I went last week, so I'll I'll defer this week, and why don't we have our our guest? He's not really a guest. If, 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 anyone, was, if anyone was a guest here, it'd be you, Rob, so... I've been on this podcast for fucking years. I bet. Sheila, we're both guests. It's, it's, You're right. I'm, I'm a guest as well. This is Tony's house. 2015, I started doing this podcast. I was trying to think of what to say about you. Because I don't want to be like, too rude and say that you didn't know anything about the lower leagues. Because you probably know about it as much as I do. Yeah. But I usually fill in on these podcasts more than you do. So that was why I kind of went with guest. But I couldn't think of a better term. That's fine. Just, just show more respect next time. That's all. Oh, fuck off. Nah, that's fair enough. Anyway, Rob, what have you brought us today? Ach, no idea. I know nothing about the world. <laughs> You're just a guest. <laughs> I'm just meeting the room. Um, I have brought uh, Queen's Park's hilarious capitulation to Air United on Friday night. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting one because I, I, I follow a lot of Air United fans uh, on, on Twitter. No idea why, but I do. Um, and all of them, you know, absolutely bulling out, you know, what they saw last season, what they were seeing in the first half of this game, what they saw against Arbroath in week one. They're like, this is not good enough. This is absolutely <laughs> terrible. And then the 90th minute, they're like, ah, just give him time. <laughs> just, he needs time. He needs time to build a team. Um, so, yeah, it, it was interesting to sort of view it from that standpoint. And obviously, Queen's Park as well, you know, they're used to blowing one goal leads, um, but they've gone a, a, a league up now. So it's now two goal leads uh, that they blow and, and on this occasion lost as well. It was an interesting game. I think that you look at Queen's Park, generally speaking, obviously they're still not at home. Um, but, you know, it was a, a reasonable crowd there. You had a, a big Air United crowd. And they've got a decent side, Queen's Park. If you look at their attacking options, you look at even behind that Tommy Robson coming up from the left. I watched Queen's a lot last season um, just because I was bored and living in Glasgow. Um, and they they were able to create quite a lot against a really, really flimsy Air United backline. I mean, that... That defence is, is shambolic, but I mean, we'll get on to the Queen's one after this because that didn't look too much better. But Dom Thomas was causing them issues. Simon Murray causes everyone issues. Uh, Sean, this. why are you looking smug like you're Craig Telford? Because, <laughs> you know something? Like me and Telford's been sticking up for Dom Thomas for about four or five years. Anytime he does anything good, I'm just like, yes. Because yeah, yeah, everybody yes. else in the podcast thinks he's rubbish. I don't think it's rubbish, it's just that Telford claimed that <laughs> Telford claimed he was like capable of playing at the highest level. And we're like, no, he's been at the highest level and was proven to be rubbish. I, 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 think, I think we're all quite fond of him as like a championship player. Aye, that's where he is. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I did he's just know any better than that. I, I, I just fully appreciate that we play devil's advocate every time it comes to uh, Don Thomas. So every time he does something well, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have two agendas, bigging up Dom Thomas, <laughs> smashing down right purchase. That's, it. That's all I live for. That's why he's a guest on this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Queens were, were able to take advantage of just a, a really, just wafer-thin Air United defence. And, I mean, the, the first wafer goal... Wafer-thin. Wafer-thin. Uh, the, the first goal... 
Simon Murray's header from the corner. He just he doesn't even run. He doesn't make a run. He just sort of walks to the front post and no one follows him and the ball lands on his head and it goes into the back of the net. It is just so, so simple. And you can kind of see why their United fans are so concerned about so many different things with the team at this moment. And Dom Thomas's goal as well, great finish. Mm-hmm. Great finish. But they stand off him so, so much and they show him onto his stronger right, right foot and he bends it into the top corner. It's... It's just rudimentary, basic stuff that Air United are not getting right at all. And the tail end of last season, since Bullen came in, they've been shipping first half goals. They've been giving themselves a mountain to climb in pretty much every single game. And then it happened again, but they were able to climb it uh, on this occasion. I, I, I think there was loads of examples last season where Bullen would start up, uh, Bullen would set up incorrectly and then bring on his better players yeah. at half time and then, or, or half an hour to go, and then possibly get themselves back into the game. I thought this was a weird game in that. Essentially, you had first half a team that was dominant and the opponent being inept. And then in the second half, that switched. I, I'm not entirely sure if Queen's Park were that good in the first half or if it was just the air were so bad. But certainly, there were, as much as obviously it, it was 2 0 at half time and then air turned it round into 3 2, there were glimpses at the end of the first half that. The air weren't out of the game. There was a header that was really well saved by uh, Callum Ferry. I wasn't until sure actually who who got the header. Then there was just after that Fraser Bryden was played right through. He's a young guy who who's been getting his chance up front for air. Played right through. His finish was terrible, and I think Bryden is one of those players where air fans are really really keen for him to to be good because he's young. He's an Air United fan. He used to stand on the terraces and now he's playing up front. They're really willing him to do well. And he might do. I, I don't think he's quite ready for championship football quite yet. When he went off at, at half-time and Mark McKenzie came on for him. Now, McKenzie is another interesting player where, generally speaking, Air United fans aren't that keen on him. However, uh, he plays a lot of games out wide. Kind of got his chance uh, coming off a bright nut in, in a more forward position. And he definitely made a difference in this one. If he could harness that kind of week in, week out, he would do. Uh, he would be really, really useful for the United. He doesn't really seem to be able to, to, to do that. But certainly, second half, uh, air turning the game around. And, I mean, I, I, listened, to, I, I listened to some, I listened to a, a Queen's Park podcast uh, during the week, and their man of the match was Callum Ferry. Yeah. And, and, and they, they all uh, admitted that the Air United, as much as they were dreadful in that first half, were, were, were worthy winners and I, I, I think in general the championship is just going to be like a, a, a really really cutthroat league this season I mean of, of the 10 games there's been a number of draws oh, the the majority of the wins have maybe been by like a single goal yep. and I don't think there's going to be a lot between the teams for a bit between first and, and maybe even 10th uh, and this was a good example I I kind of thought Ayr might struggle a bit this season I, I thought Queen's Park might be kind of mid-table I don't necessarily want to change that based on based on Saturday. However, that 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 second half was a a, a brilliant turnaround. The ended ended with a really good laugh, where a, a, a pitch invasion, which you don't see very often in the second day of the season. Well, you, you do. You see it after teams get draws as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Phil out about you that because I was ready to fucking chomp there. Oh my god. But it's interesting to say, like, Callum Ferry is the one that stood out for me. Um, for, for Queens, he, he made some some fantastic saves. Um, but the, the end of that first half, when Ayr got those chances, it was just foreshadowing. Because the second half, just go through the middle of Queens Park and they have no idea what to do. <clears throat> Every single time, just a direct pass. Direct pass, play, play up to Akinyemi or, or whoever's your focal point, and you'll get a flick on. You'll win every single header. And, you know, I watched Charlie Fox a lot last season, uh, as I say, and he was, there was one game he was poor, but otherwise dominant. He's a huge, big unit of a guy, good in the air. He was about four yards off every single time, which meant there was flick ons aplenty for the Air United players to run onto. And that's where two of their goals come from as well. It's just, it's really, really basic. And uh, again, like, you know, you saw it from here in the first half. Uh, like you said, it flipped on its head in the second. I thought Akinyemi's second half um, looked like a, a real handful. Um, I think that, obviously, they're, they're always looking for that one up front uh, that you can sort of play players off of. And, and he seems to be a, a decent option. It's a nice finish for his first goal, obviously. He puts away the penalty as well. But there's there's reasons to be optimistic from that second half from here. But again, I think there was, at points last season, people were saying that as well. Because they were 
trying to come back into games. They were scoring goals later on in games. It's just fortunate that they came up against a, a pretty anemic backline uh, in the second half of this one. I, I think in terms of so I think in terms of air, the, like the, the, the kind of big problems last season was, was probably defensively and certainly for probably two thirds of the season, Air United fans hated Sean McGinty. Now they think he's he's pretty good. I thought you were going to say Sean McGuigan there. <laughs> Probably don't like Sean McGuigan. However, the fans are thinking of they've, uh, they've learned to love uh, Sean McGuigan and his his header, his thumping header to to make it two two was was absolutely brilliant. Defensively, him and uh, Frankie Musonda seem to have formed a, a decent partnership uh, at, at, at centre back. Myself and Telfer spoke about uh, Dippo Akinyemi and uh, the the preview podcast. We'd, we'd spoken about his his League Cup campaign. And what had happened during the League Cup campaign was he, he, he probably could have had seven or eight during that, during that group stage, but had scored none. So like, right, so is it a positive that he's getting into those positions and the goals will eventually come? Or will this continue and his confidence will eventually dwindle and he's not going to get into those positions and actually he's not going to do anything this season? His first finish actually to, to make it 2-1 was, was actually really, really good. He seems to have a bit of... Other than other than his goals, he seems to have a bit of chaos factor about him as well. His, his penalty was was quite confidently taken. So if if he can gain a bit of confidence for this game, which clearly, presumably, he will have done, maybe he could be. I mean, he he, he might he, he might go on to have a, a, a kind of 15, 20 goal season. Uh, who knows? I, I, I certainly, a look of him. I, I still feel they're lacking something uh, in the middle of the park. They they apparently signed. A, is it David Bangala? I, I, can't, I, I think his first name is David. Certainly, they, they signed Bangala in about May. I, I still don't think he's in the country. <laughs> There's rumours that he might be available in the next kind of week or two. I'm not entirely sure. He would probably give them like that, that bit of dig that, that, and that bit of steel in midfield that they appear to be lacking at the moment. I know they're sitting second in the table. It's early days. I'm still not entirely sure that they will have a, a, a kind of top half finish. I, I still think those there's teams on paper have, have got far better squads. Uh, but ah, it's been a reasonably decent start for for Ayr and and perhaps well significantly so far for for Queens Park, which I'm reasonably surprised at. Right, we'll move on to our second game after these messages. Okay, next up, let's go to let's go to you, Sean. Let's let's save uh, let's save the worst for last, and <laughs> <laughs> I'll go after you. I, I th- there was one good thing of Falkirk being sensible this season and it was that I would get to my bed at a reasonable early hour on a Saturday but no it looks like it looks like I will still be up until the back of 12 every single Saturday this season for, for what I know you you may as well just go to your bed at 10 and wake up at 2 in the morning anyway and then the highlights will be there you're only missing 2 hours what I would say is on the plus side if, I'm, if I was a Falkirk fan and I was attempting to take any positives from this game it wasn't a 4-0 game Falkirk had oh, it was <laughs> yeah. no. I've seen the score no, I've watched no. the highlights I mean, I mean I, no. right. okay literally it was a 4-0 game uh, do you miss Telfer? <laughs> no no no, <laughs> no, no. Right, right, okay literally it was a 4-0 game however uh, there wasn't that much between the sides until uh, so Falkirk went down to 10 men with, with 10 minutes to go uh, I think it was Jordan McGee that went off injured and they'd used all the subs at that point uh, Airdrie kind of pulled away and got the last couple of goals I don't agree with John McGlynn, who said that Falkirk had, uh, I, think it's, I, I can't remember how he described the chances, but he certainly said they had five, it was either good or very good chances in the first half. They had five chances. Uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say there were like five guilted, uh, guilt-edged opportunities. However, they were. it looked reasonably even uh, in, in that first half. I suppose the concern would be, as soon as it went to 2-0, uh, Falkirk as they've always done down, down, down the last kind of four or five years, however long it's been now, they they, they do not cope well in adversity. Like so, if you if you put them under pressure, if they go a goal or two down, they're not coming back. And as much as McGlynn has come in and as much as he has, I know there's still a lot of players from last year's dross, he's brought in a lot of his own players. And again, as soon as he went to 2-0, it just like the heads went down and they were never getting back in it. It's not even, watching the highlights, you get a, a better impression of it, but it's not even the heads going down. It's every player blaming someone else. There's absolutely no accountability in the team. You see Callum Gallagher sort of sclaffs one in, uh, his second goal of the game. In fact, his first goal was <laughs> kind of similar as well. That's but what he does. It is what he does, but you've got the centre-halves screaming at each other. No resolution there whatsoever. They're both raging. The game kicks off again, and it's, it's two players who just look very angry at each other. 
because they're both at fault. And I think they need to realise that it's not a one-person sort of thing. There's no relationship there between the centre-halves, which means that, I mean, the first goal of the game, Callum Gallagher's one, is I think Brad Mackay stumbles over and then, uh, is it called Donaldson, back heels it. And then <laughs> Callum Gallagher taps in. It's exactly the same clown college defending that we saw last season. And yeah, John McGlynn's come in. Yeah, he's brought in certain players and certain personalities. It doesn't make a difference. If your defenders are still going to be at war with each other, then when you go a goal down or two goals down, there's never going to be a good way back from that. And there are two defenders as well that are hardly conducive to the way that John McGlynn likes to play football. Although, to be fair, he did make... He did manage to survive with Christoph Berra on his side last season, who's done, and even the last... Was it just last season or the last two seasons? Last season. Last season. Last season. But that's just one player. Um, maybe we've got two guys... I mean, I'd say Donaldson and Mackay are better with their ball at their feet than Christoph better, but neither of them are particularly great. And surely McGlynn's style is, you know, passing football. Is that not a hindrance to them? And also as well, like heads go down when they lose a goal or two, maybe because they don't have a forward. Aye. Oh, um, well, aye. Juan Allegri, yeah. come on. <laughs> now, come on, now, come, see, come see, on, mate. I see, know what I said. See, <laughs> see, when you spoke about highlights, what, what highlights package did you watch? Because I watched both. And can I, can I say, if, if you want to watch this game, you should definitely watch the Airdrie package and the Falkirk package. Yes, um, I watched the, the Falkirk one and then migrated uh, over to the, the Airdrie one. I mean, the, the difference in commentary for a start <laughs> is, is magnificent. Um, but I, I mean, are you, I'm not sure if I saw this. I, my memory's my memory is not what it used to be. Are you talking about the Juan Allegri a fresh air swipe that goes so, out of play? So, so when, when John McGlynn mentioned the abundance of chances that they had in that first half, one was when uh, Juan Allegri was, was played straight through, just had to keep it a beat. I, I don't know what he did. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he swung to hit a shot, then missed the ball altogether and got his legs tangled up, or if his legs got tangled up before he could have a shot, but he just fell over his arse. He did that twice. That was incredible. He it did that twice in the game. So, so you don't get that in the, in the Falkirk highlights, unfortunately. God bless Airdrie. Right. They, they did. They did include them, but I, I, I would say the big reason to watch the Falkirk highlights was the fact that now Erdy's second goal was controversial in that it came from a corner kick where the referee thought that uh, the keeper had got a touch, uh, mm-hmm. so it came back off the post and then went wide. Falkirk players were raging because they said the keeper never got a touch. Airdrie then scored from the corner. Now, bear in mind that goal came in the 61st minute. In the 89th minute, the Falkirk coming to <laughs> was still going. He was still going about it. It's like, oh, listen, you're 3 0 down and you, you, you deserve to be losing. Please stop slagging off the referee about a, a reasonably contentious decision that happened half an hour ago. Do you know what I really like, though, is that the, the commentator and the, the guy who edits the package were clearly in complete harmony. Because you know how you know, they show the replay of the goal and then they maybe show the players sort of walking back to the centre circle to take kick-off again. What they do in this is like do a sort of like slow fade in and, and fade out close-up of the referee <laughs> as he's talking about him, which it's just sort of like adds this uh, this sort of villain arc uh, that they're going for. It was a bad decision. He doesn't get a touch on it. Um, but at the same time, the, the defending, I don't want to keep going on about the defending, but I will. Um, from the corner kick, there's about four opportunities for a Falkirk player to just get rid of it. Just put your foot through it, do something. It doesn't happen and it trundles along to Callum Gallagher who is just standing there to prod it into the back of the net. It's not just about the bad decision. They defended absolutely atrociously and that's where the goal, that's where it came from. And again, it's like, I mean, the the Falkirk commentator has always been a blessing, um, really, for for, for guys like us, uh, you know, podcasters. TV stars <laughs> having someone like that that you can take uh, take cues off of is quite something, but uh, they can't blame the referee too much for that because you also can't blame the referee when it's just a corner. Like, yeah, there's still a lot to do from that. There's point. gonna, aye, there's gonna be decisions that go against you in a game. It's just that's just the way that football is. Like, blame the referee if it's a penalty. Blame the referee if it's a red card, or you know something, something where the referee is making a decision that hugely impacts the game. Giving a corner the wrong way doesn't hugely impact the game unless you defend it poorly. And they did. They did, yeah. And I, 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 suppose, I suppose the weird thing is about McGlynn as, as a manager in general, but when he was at Wraith, first time around, we were defensively sound, not pretty on the eye and kind of workman-like players up front. Second time around, scored a lot of goals, played really nice football that was pleasing on the eye. 
but but couldn't defend. And lazy bastards on attack. Uh, <laughs> We're just going for the opposite of everything. Uh, and, and now, certainly at Falkirk, again, doesn't look like they've improved much defensively based on last season. Oh, based on Saturday, certainly. They, they defended really poorly. But in terms of, if he can't fix that, if he can't... Uh, if he can find a way for this team to keep clean sheets, then I'm struggling to see how how they how they win enough games to to maybe challenge Dunfermline because like Gary Oliver for example, and I know he's maybe made the step down to League One. I doubt he's going to score goals apart from against Dunfermline. Allegria is, I mean, my goodness, I mean, he's just not good enough. And he must have uh, he must have been good for Honka <laughs> uh, back in the day. Must have been good enough for Rangers to get out the checkbook. And and, and does we, he does he only get loan moves because he's at Rangers? I, I can assume so because he was very good in the loan league, which I think tells you a lot about what the loan league will do for developing players in this country. Yeah, but he, but even guys like that we've that we've complimented before. Like, I'll, 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 sorry, I'll always remember just I'll, I'll agree as well for uh, Rangers fans accusing Duncan Mackay, stupid Rangers fans accusing Duncan Mackay of being racist on Twitter for correctly pointing out. What's the, so the whole thing for Celtic and Rangers putting B teams in the lower league was to was to improve Scottish football. And one of the first guys that they do aside for their B team is a Colombian. Yeah, a terrible one at that. Terrible Colombian. So somebody who's getting the team and also stopping a Scottish player from maybe you know, but no, if you, if you say anything like that, you're you're xenophobic or racist. So uh, not obviously not the point whatsoever. The point is, the point is the cult teams are stupid. And he's shit. And he's shit. I, I don't think he's going to fire Falkirk to glory. I, I, you know, so I, I do think Falkirk will be better this season. I, I don't think they'll finish as lowly as they did last term. I, I suppose the other concern, and there are so they many They do concerns, have a couple of winnable games coming up to, to really kind of boost themselves. If they don't beat PI this Saturday, then push that panic button. They, they must beat Peter Head. They might... <laughs> They might, uh, they might fail to be Edinburgh the week after just because they're so concerned for the safety of their fans if it's like thunder and lightning in Edinburgh on August 20th and they're just at the side of the pitch under no covering. And that doesn't look like a good away day. Or a good home day. <laughs> that terrible. Good any day. Just like a bad day. Right, we should be releasing, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be this week, uh, we should maybe be releasing a podcast this week to look at how bad things are for Edinburgh City in terms of our... FC our, Edinburgh. No, for Edinburgh City. That's what I called. You, can't just, you can't just deny the I'll fact that they're like. All right, okay. In, in terms of a, a fan going experience, because it, it looks don't, shocking. Don't misgender Edinburgh City. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> FC Edinburgh. Right, uh, have we said all we have to say on the, the Falkirk Burns? Uh, uh, one last thing, we complimented John McGlynn a couple of weeks ago the fact that he is getting more out of players who underperformed the last season or two. Uh, he's no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it turns out that Stephen Hetherington and Callum Morrison are still pish. Now Morrison, Morrison especially, I, I don't know what's happened to him. It's fallen off a cliff. Aye, very much so. Aye, like we've complimented on the podcast, complimented him on uh, on the show. His finishing's dreadful. His final product is dreadful. Aye. It's, it's, it's going to be a permanent case of uh, whichever team he signs for, the fans saying he's got something about him, and that'll be it. Because he has got something about him, but. He'll never unlock it because he, he just he wasn't able to do it at Hearts. He's not done it at Falkirk. Like he's he's fast and he can run at people. He can go past people. When and that's it. And that's where his ability appears to stop. Yeah, his crossing ability is rubbish. His finishing ability is not good. Aye, so you're right. He can beat a man and he's quite quick. You should go back to Sterling Albion. Aye, that's very that's very very good. He was great there. Yeah. Well, Dan Young, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm sure he is. I doubt it. <laughs> Danny Dunham might be. He can pass the message on. <laughs> Right, let's move on to our final team to focus on, and that is my responsibility, and it is Dumbarton, who, with two wins from two, are sitting joint top of the fourth tier, along with Bonnerig Rose. They defeated Can Albin. you be joint top? Okay, they're sitting second in League <laughs> 2 behind Bonnerig Rose on goal difference. Right, so they're second then. Thanks yeah. for that, Sean, and Rob. They defeated, as I said, they defeated Albin Rovers 2-1 at the weekend, but... While things look quite rosy to begin with, you scratch a little bit under the surface and neither performance was particularly convincing. Certainly in this game. Sign of champions. Possibly. If you can win before you gel, then yeah, it's, it's going to go well for you. But not too sure it's definitely going to gel for this team. 
But yeah, so they, they beat the Albion Rovers, but they, they, they did struggle throughout the game and struggle despite the fact that Albion Rovers, much the better side uh, until this happened. Uh, 1-0 up, uh, thanks to the goal from Lewis Kidd. And then there was a red card to Kyle Fleming, which having watched it back, it's hard to tell really conclusively. It looks like a red card to me. I think it was quite, it looked like a very high challenge and the referee was standing five yards away would have had a better view than anybody. You, you, you're you talking about struggles. I'll I tell you what else is a struggle. The fact that you picked a game that didn't have a highlights package <laughs> but did have the, the full 90 minutes on the Albion Rovers website, website but to get to the key moments and so, so to you, try and explain this, when you say full ninety minutes, I think I mean, you, it lasts like three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. The full afternoon <laughs> in Cotbridge. It was about like fifty minutes of the warm up. It's more then, than that. It's over an hour. It's over an hour before the game actually starts. So I, I was like, right. So, so I was like, and I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, you said three and a half hours. I'm pretty sure it was four hours and twenty minutes. And a very sensitive. Uh, bar at the bottom in terms of fast forwarding and <laughs> rewinding so I, I had to kind of establish when the game started so that took a lot of kind of fast forwarding and rewinding because there's no clock there's no clock on this uh, on, on this footage so I was like right so there was a I think it was a goal after 17 minutes then a red card after 22 and a penalty after 24 or whatever so I had to like, establish try and establish precisely when the game kicked off and then have to go like 17 minutes, 22 minutes and 24 minutes from there, then work out when the second half started so I could get the 88th minute winner from Ryan Wallace. It was it was a tricky undertaking, but I got there. But but thanks for that, Fowler. <laughs> well, I mean, and he's, I, le- he's left it to last because he said it's not that interesting. <laughs> he's just done it for a laugh. He was in charge of the camera. I never, I never said the game was not interesting. I said I wasn't as interesting. I was talking about myself rather, ah, than, right, rather okay. than Dumbarton or Albion Rovers. Bit of self-deprecation. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, to be fair, when, when I first picked it, I, I just looked on YouTube, so I didn't know. So, I, so my research for this was just based on people in Pine Bovril saying, oh, he played all right. It was the time you said to me yesterday that, oh, the full game's available on the Albion Rovers website. I wish I'd never said that. <laughs> you would have picked a different game. <laughs> And I could have just watched a, f- a seven-minute highlights package. <laughs> no, no, I still would have stuck with this one. I'd already done the research. So that, I, wasn't, I wasn't just going to throw that away, Sean. I don't know when I was supposed to be hard at work. So, Yeah, so the, 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 the red card certainly helped because Rovers were easily the better team in, in the opening stages. And not only did they score, they also hit the bar as well. And it, it kind of levelled the playing field, but didn't really make it seem like Dumbarton were the team with a man advantage for, for the most... The rest part, most of it, Albion Rovers pressing still gave them a lot of problems. There was praise for Finlay Gray in terms of his industry in the centre of the park and Ryan Blair alongside them in terms of keeping things neat and tidy. But neither of them had the ability to play through the lines. And that was something that Rover, uh, sorry, something that Dumbarton really struggled with in this game. Joe McKee was out on the left. He's typically kind of seen as somebody that they can rely on to do something creative. He done nothing. Ali Love was getting a bit of praise, but he was really for his kind of hard working in industry. So they really just kind of huffed and puffed through the, the majority of this match. Really not looking that impressive at all. I've been over, to be fair to them, that they're, that they'd be a little bit concerned that they've got zero points for the first two games, but in both games they've played quite well. Um, so there's a, a kind of hope that, uh, especially if they can get in a striker, because they really just don't have one at they the moment. They don't have one. They don't have one yeah. at all. And I, if they had had one, then I would have... Well, not necessarily this game because I did it to men early doors. But certainly against Steny, from what I saw for the highlights, they were arguably a better team. And actually, you know something, as much as I'm saying they had a boy sent off early doors in, in this one, they might have been the better team over the piece. And, and they, I mean, it's albeit like, you know something, Brett Long didn't have too many saves to make. But that might be because Alvin Rose didn't have a striker. <laughs> and only if they had one. Uh, it might have been a different story. Yeah, they've, uh, got, they've got Charlie Riley, who's a who's a, a winger, I think. And it looks electric, but from, from what I've heard, he lacks zero composure when it comes to shooting. Uh, yes, his shooting is... His uh, shooting's wayward. Can you, uh, are you doing an impression of what he does? Because Sean, Sean just said that with his hands over his eyes. I was like, is this your impression of Charlie was, Riley yeah. taking a shot? I was you just haunted. I was just trying to think of a word to describe wayward is, is, is what his shooting's like. Although, he, you know, so he, he did have good composure. The, like the fact that they... Was it a Dumbarton corner when Albion Rovers broke away for their opening goal? And, and it was kind of like a two-on-two. Two. I, I thought he'd done really well to, 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 to slip in Lewis Kidd. I, I thought it was a really good goal. And you're right for that kind of first kind of 20 minutes. So Albion Rovers looked, looked pretty rampant. You thought they are, they are going to take all three points here. And Dumbarton... Dumbarton are a team that like nobody knows if they're a promotion challenger or hopeless. <laughs> and 
even though they've got six wins with six, I, I don't know if we're still any any closer to, to working out. I suppose it would, it would take us a wee while to establish if this is a Dumbarton side who can overcome adversity and grind out results because actually they're a no-bad team and are, are maybe in the mix for, for promotion or if they are struggling to beat one of the relegation favourites who were down to 10 men after 20-odd minutes because actually ultimately Dumbarton aren't very good either. I think they have a, a squad that is okay for this level. I, I don't know if they have a manager that's that's okay for this level. So aye, a lot of question marks over Dumbarton. In terms of Albion Rovers, I mean, we when we spoke about the, the teams that would struggle this season, we, we mentioned Albion Rovers, we mentioned East Fife, we mentioned Stranraer, we mentioned Elgin. From what I've seen so far, Albion Rovers, as much as they're still on zero points, might look the best of the bunch, certainly in terms of how they've played over those first two games. I suppose the concern would be playing well, zero points. Yeah. If that continues, like, like they've got a game against East Fife that, uh, this Saturday. I'm, I'm not saying it's a must win by any stretch of imagination, but lose this one as well. Suddenly, has zero points for nine, and and it's, it it doesn't really matter how well you've played over those two or three games. Zero and, points is and performances will only stick up as long as you're getting some sort of results to go with it, because otherwise your confidence, confidence dwindles. Of course, it does. Like. Breaking when they had that terrible season, the, the we kept saying like to, be, to begin with the season, oh they're competitive in every game, and they got like the, the two, <laughs> two, two of the four points. The one were in the opening five games, and then all of a sudden they were just getting absolutely hammered every week because if you keep losing every week, that's just going to happen. Callum Morrison was there <laughs> doing fuck off. Was he? Was it Breaking? Was right. he in that Breaking team? Yeah. Oh wow, that's very poor. I don't oh. know why. People thought he could make it a hearts after that. <laughs> Craig Levine's nuts. But before we move on, I just want to give... Uh, I mentioned Ali Love, who did get praised for his industry and attack. Now, I'm not entirely certain on this, but for, for what I could tell, looking at the... And it was like a it was like a pixel art camera, so it never goes back to him. So it's really hard to make out whether this is the case, but it seems to me like this is what happened. So the winning goal, uh, scored by a couple minutes left, comes from Ryan Wallace. It was a cross into the penalty area, I'm fairly sure it's Ali Love kind of dashes ahead of it, doesn't make contact, and the keeper it freezes the keeper and goes into the far corner. All the Dumbarton players run off to the left to go celebrate with Ryan Wallace for his goal. Ali Love bends his run the other way, and it's almost like he's trying to make it out that he scored. And then he just starts limping badly and then drops to the ground. <laughs> and then the camera pans away. And I've watched it fairly closely. I can't see him coming back in the picture. And they make a sub right after, and it's Ali Love that goes off. So did he injure himself trying to take credit for a goal he didn't score? Because <laughs> I really hope that's true. The racist fud. <laughs> my uh, my favourite aspect of the game was the that kind of two minutes that involved the sending off, and then a couple of minutes later, uh, Dumbarton got the penalty of, of which you got the equaliser and it was because of the Albion Rovers fans that must have been very very close to the camera or certainly the microphone because I, 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 I don't know how many swear words there are in the English language <laughs> I'm fairly certain I heard every single one in a three or four minute spell it was it, it was brilliant because they're already incandescent with the red card decision <laughs> And then it's, it's just like fire getting poured. Sorry, it's just like petrol getting poured on the fire when the penalty is given. Superb. Oh, it was lovely. Absolutely lovely stuff. Fair play to them. All of a sudden, the crowd of about 400 said like 40,000. <laughs> Tremendous. Oh, was, really good. It just reminded me, sorry, in the, the Falkirk highlights as well. You know how I was saying it sort of like edits things in and out? Mm-hmm. It edited one bit in, and it was just the Falkirk defenders shouting each other and some going, fucking again! <laughs> I just left that in. That was great. So that's that's us done our our three games. We've done this last week as well. And uh, after last week's show, we had a a fan on somebody, a Stranar fan who'd listened to it and said uh, our. Um, that our, we, we were just as bad or, or worse than, than BBC uh, Sports Sound in, in terms of our attention to the low leagues because we spent far too much time rambling about three or four clubs and not about the kind of low leagues in general. So, like I say, he's a Stranar fan, so that's the last fucking time we mentioned Stranar this season. Well done. That, that, that's good that you're uh, taking the feedback on board. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it in a nice way. He didn't do it in a nice way. All right, okay. 
Oh, yeah. oh, oh dear. So apologies to any other Stranraer fan who listens to us and it's actually quite sound. <laughs> we, we, we covered Stranraer quite a bit in the, in the preview podcast. Hopefully they liked that. I mean, he was a bit rage at that. He had to wait four hours to come up. I'm sorry. I really, I don't know who you are, but I'm sorry. I hope you're okay. I'm not. He didn't see the message. He was very rude. Just making friends wherever you go, eh? I am a petty man. Don't we not? Right, let's get to our next memorable Scotland game. Number nine in our list, as we said earlier, in yes. our top 50 countdown. And this one comes from November 17th, 1999. It is England nil, Scotland won in the Euro 2000 playoff final. And of course, Scotland won the game, won the battle, but lost the war. I think it's fair to say because they were 2 0 down from the first leg when Paul Scholes scored a double, and even though Don Hutchison gave the Tartan Army a famous win at Wembley, in the end, it counted for very little other than going, ha, on England's shite. And it did prove to be shite because they didn't make it out of the groups at the Euros. It was um, great because for years we could say, oh, I, you know, we beat you at Wembley. That was it. <laughs> yeah. There was a, because this was, this was the start of England essentially kind of, well, not saying goodbye to, to Wembley, but saying goodbye to, was it was it the Twin Towers of Wembley? Yes, that's made up. No, it was. it was. It was called the Twin Towers. Yeah. Uh, so they. It they was had, a different time. What, year, the, what year did they come down? <laughs> um, they came down the the year after because I didn't know whether this, this was true or not, and I couldn't find anything about it online. <laughs> I remember there was a suggestion when I was young. <laughs> no, it's not to do with that. It's all right. So it's not going to be nervous. Look, there was a suggestion that this was supposed to be the last game at the old Wembley and then they had another one because they didn't want their last game to be yeah. losing at home to Scotland and then they got beat 1-0 at home by Germany they lost to Germany yeah so did that, was that actually true or was that uh, just a Dietmar Hamann scored the last yeah, no, 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 the result was losing, losing, losing to Germany was definitely true yeah, I remember watching it I've seen it but, but did they, did I was they, just showing off my memory did they purposely have another game I don't know because like the game against Germany was just a total exhibition match, wasn't it? It was like it was well, the official. No, no, it was a qualifier. That's true. It was, it was Kevin Keegan's last game. I Aye. thought it was the official goodbye to Wembley. No, it was a it was a qualifier, right? Um, uh, that um, that's Renard fan of your list. Are you? <laughs> if you want to get back in our good graces, tell <laughs> try investigate, find out whether that's true or not, and then get back to us. I, I like the fact that Robert Walter said that. I just want to show off my memory, <laughs> and uh, turns, turns out your memory shit. It's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely rubbish. So, so as far as I was aware, they had. So this is obviously the. So this is the last Scotland England game at that Wembley, which Scotland won. Mm-hmm. Then there was the the last game at Wembley. Official game of play was the the Germany game, which they lost. That was a qualifier, which was a qualifier. Good, good, good knowledge, uh, Robert. Well, well remembered. Thanks, Sean. And then, as far as I'm aware, they then had another game, but it was it was Scotland versus England, but it was either media or like celebrities, maybe like soccer aid, something like that. And Scotland won that as well. <laughs> so it was like it was like they had three games to say cheerio to Wembley, and they lost all of them. And, 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 and let's face it, that's kind of slim pickings in terms of things to celebrate. Three games for each of their disease-ridden lions. Aye. Mm. Twin Towers probably pulled themselves down after that. You know, so it, was just a, it, was just, you know, it was just a bad time to be called the Twin Towers. It certainly was. Right, uh, I've, I've not gone through our, our usual thing before we get on to the game. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's true. That was a different time. No, no, I'm letting you away, but it's fine. I'm not editing that out. We can come and cancel you guys, I don't care. Right. <laughs> At this point in the UK music charts, the number one was Lift Me Up by Jerry Halliwell. I do not remember this at all. It comes in as well, it's quite disappointing because it comes in during an absolute murderer's row of really memorable number one singles. I wouldn't say all these are good, but they're certainly memorable. So in this list... Tell me more. So in a list of... This, this comes number seven in a list of nine in a row. Mambo number five. Terrible. Terrible. We're Good to Ibiza by the Venga Boys. Terrible. Great song. Blue Dabba D. Terrible song. Terrible. Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. Brilliant. Not for me. Flying White Wings by Westlife. Oh, Terrible. Keep On Moving by Five. Terrible. Ah, I like that one. Great song. Yeah. Uh, this Pish Jerry Halliwell song that I can't remember at all. So, when I did, so you can't remember it, but you've decided it's Pish. Uh, I hated every one of Jerry Halliwell's singles, so I, I know it's Pish. I, do, well, I can't remember the name, but I've... Well, 
I think I find she's the most successful uh, Spice Girl in terms of single careers. People like Coldplay, Sean. One of them's like Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, it was She's the One by Robbie Williams. Not one of his uh, best, but it's all right. Yeah. And uh, King of My Castle, which I think is a good song. That one. Yeah, the king of my castle. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. I don't, I don't know if Sean's in the beat right. I know, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, if, if, you, if you like computer game music, then yes, it was okay. That's, that's not computer game music, I would say. Doodly, 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 that's doodly, nah. doodly. I don't know if you're doing the right thing, are you? I am. Doodly, 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 doodly. What are you doing? That was, that was a song. What song? Just be the reason that I'm a king of my Yeah, you did that bit right. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with the rest of this. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it went. Roughly. <laughs> try and get on by need wait for YouTube I just remember when Celtic signed me back with Castle and they sang uh, must be the reason why we're signing with Castle <laughs> 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 uh-huh yes uh-huh exactly <laughs> see tell you ah, I suppose I'll uh, yeah, yeah, give you uh-huh. oh, well, okay. you look stupid now fair certainly enough. me fair enough Sean <laughs> I know my uh, King of the Castle tunes <laughs> And the number one at UK box office was the Sixth Sense. Oh, I, I figured out the twist immediately. He's dead. Figured out the twist immediately. Yeah. Rob, uh-huh. come on, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, time has passed. I actually got a hateful DM when I spoiled the end of James Bond at the live show. <laughs> oh, did you? I did, I. I did, I did tell you off at the time. I mean, I, I, was, I thought it was poor. I mean, that was quite a new film. Yeah. It's bad. Oh, it's, it's, bad. it's bad. It's, it's been out for a year. It's what? It's been out for a year. No, hadn't it? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so let's like five minutes ago you were saying that you were really showing off your uh, your memory when did Scotland beat Israel <laughs> when did Scotland beat Israel roughly about October time ah right okay about eight months October November been out for eight months uh-huh. and then our live show was in May I wasn't even you though <laughs> that's aye, any f- I'd say f- five years any time in five years really? especially because these days the streaming and stuff a lot of people just wait for films to come on streaming services instead of going to the cinema so yeah you need to wait so you'll, you'll poor, never give a spoiler you'll never give a spoiler for five years aye, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it anyway I wouldn't I wouldn't give a without a warning I wouldn't give away the spoiler to film unless it's like The Sixth Sense something that's already like been massively spoiled by the zeitgeist what if one of the top eight Scotland games occurred in the last five years <laughs> that's not a film I get a lot of spoil sporting right. events. So, so it's just, I mean, it might be on someone's TV. Aye. It's just films, films that, you will, TV. that you won't spoil. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay. We're different people. Because mm-hmm. I think it's just like, because there's some films that you just, especially these days, again, we're streaming, there's so much content out there to watch and you stumble across a film from 1985. I don't want really to know how it ends. I don't want somebody to have told me. Not well. Everybody knows how every film ended in 1985. <laughs> Everybody does. Even me, I wasn't born. All of these films could pretty much end the same, really, apart from like a, a few. Every few. film in 1985 ended the same. <laughs> no, like most 80s films could end the same because it was a bit of a shite bag decade where like it would just always have kind of, everyone would be wrapped up nice and, and happy. So the thing ended the same no, as I, Pretty I said, Woman. I said, I said, with a few exceptions, and the thing was actually in my mind when I, when I thought of a few <laughs> exceptions. Imagine it did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back and rewatch that. <laughs> Nicola, uh, Nicola, what's her name? Nicola, Nicola, Nicola Roberts. Julia, 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 he brought that, uh, for one episode of Diamonds of the Gold, he brought that album as uh, one of his favourite albums by a former, was it former? Former girl group. Aye, or was it not? I think he actually just brought it for female artists in Might general. Well it was one of I'll the other ones. It's a great album. It's, it's a good be- album. It's better than anything Jerry Halliwell ever did. Yes. The the last uh, the last track on it's excellent. A bit depressing, but it's very good. That's fine. Jerry Halliwell is the most uh, successful. He's going to keep saying this. When it He's comes got it written down to you. <laughs> I take it she was your favourite then, because you keep going on about this and defending her so vehemently. I was, I, I thought she was absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favourite though? My favourite, uh, Ginger Spice. That's Jerry Halliwell, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was, she was nice. <laughs> okay, 
This is getting away from us a wee bit. Right, so the, this... What um, game we were talking about? Euro 2020 playoff final. So, no, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely not the Euro. Imagine, oh, having, imagine having a playoff in 1999 <laughs> to establish who's playing sorry. in the Euro 2020. Sorry, Euro 2000 playoff final. I actually wrote down 2020 in my notes. That was why that, was why that happened. Scotland lost the first match 2-0 at Hamden thanks to Paul Scholes double, which I'll always and forever blame Colin Hendry on. <clears throat> That's fair. Uh, well, so I, I've always blamed them for that. And so, so that was the huffiest I've ever been at a Scotland game. I was left. I was like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm no... I can't be arsed being on a crowded train all the way back to Kirkcaldy. So I just fucked off about seven or eight minutes ago, jumped in a taxi that was handily going past Hamden at the time. And I remember I was, I was on a very deserted train uh, going from Glasgow to Edinburgh and... The, which I wanted, but the frustrating thing was there was uh, a couple about two or three seats away from me who just appeared to be very much in love, right? And they, they seemed very happy. But the fact that they were happy was, was pissing me off. Yeah, yeah I get uh, that. I can't remember anything that he was saying, but she kept saying, "Oh, Fraser, you're so funny," and I was like, "A, Fraser's no funny, and and B, how how dare you be happy <laughs> on this of all days." <laughs> Uh, so that, that this is the huffiest I've ever been, and as much as I, I, I think this game that we're that obviously this game that we're discussing, this, the the Wembley game that we're discussing, it's another inclusion in a a, a, a kind of litany of Scotland things where we kind of celebrate it, but ultimately it means bugger all nothing. Nothing. Aye, yeah. aye, exactly. And I mean, everybody remembers Christian Daly's chance at the end, but I wanted to go back at the, I wanted to go back to the first leg and see if we had opportunities in that one that we could kind of you know point at as well. And we did. Kevin Gallagher missed an absolute sitter at one one each. Sorry, one nil. Um, right through in the goalie, just smashes it off the seaman's legs, and Billy Dodds hit the bar later on as well. So had you clawed that back, win one nil at Wembley, then you take the game extra time, or maybe even win it in ninety. But that wasn't the B. Also, um, from seeing the, the first game, completely remember, just completely forgot about this. Paul Ritchie played in it. In fact, he gave away the foul for the the build up to the second England goal. I don't remember that whatsoever. What on earth was he doing there? <laughs> he was in the well. He was in the team for the second. He was leg, in let the second game, man. Who invited him? I sorry, Colin Colin was very much a fault for the first goal at Hamden, and I certainly at the time I blamed him for the second goal. Watching the back, I'm not entirely sure. I he think he's supposed to be marking. I think he's supposed to be marking schools. Yeah. I watched it back a few times. I think he's supposed to be marking them, and then he gets caught behind two other players. So at the game, I thought he was responsible for schools, but but it's, it's difficult because of the camera goes. But it looks like he's supposed to be on Shearer. It might have been Christian Daly that was supposed to be responsible for schools, but who knows? Certainly at the time, I blamed uh, Colin Henry. It was funny though when uh, you were saying everybody remembers uh, Christian Daly's diving header at, at Wembley. I watched an interview. Uh, with Colin Henry, Gareth Southgate, and maybe Alan Shearer, and it was in a build-up to, I think we played England in a friendly in 2013. So they were talking about the last time we'd played them, which was the, Is that the, the Kenny Miller game. Yeah, which yeah. was the which was the playoffs. And Colin Henry said, uh, he goes, everybody remembers that Christian Daly header just after half time. He goes, if only we'd got that, we would have had the momentum for the the rest of the second half. I was like, handily like eighty first minute. <laughs> Footballers have incredibly bad <laughs> memories when it, when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I like, like don't get me wrong, like, I, I appreciate it's like the biggest oversight, but there's a big difference between just after half time and nine minutes to go. <laughs> like so, before last week, I uh, done a feature uh, looking at the, the the time Hearts defeated Hibs for a goal in the last minute. Funnily enough, um, nineteen years ago on, on the second weekend of the season at Easter Road on a Sunday, and it was kind of famous because Hibs had a man sent off in the first half and. Road Hearts pressure, and then eventually Gary O'Connor scored an injury time. And I, I talked to uh, three Hibs players for it, and uh, one of them uh, couldn't could, couldn't even remember Grant Bebler being set off. <laughs> Played in the game, couldn't remember that they were doing to ten men for most of it. Was it Grant Bebner? <laughs> no, I couldn't actually get through to him. I was given a number, but it didn't work. Fair enough. Who, who I, I, thought, who? I, thought, I, I thought you were meaning you were talking to him, you just couldn't get through to him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was going on. Nothing was it's just it's blank. <laughs> Like his Zoom screen is frozen. <laughs> it's like talking to a mannequin. Right, these teams. England lined up. Seaman, Philip Neville, Saul Campbell, Tony Adams, Gareth Southgate, Paul Ince, Jamie Redknapp, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Alan Shearer and Michael Owen. Scotland was Neil Sullivan, Davy Weir, Callum Davidson, Christian Daly, Colin Hendry, Barry Ferguson, 
who ran the show in this game. Yep. Billy Dodds, Craig Burley, Neil McCann, Don Hutchison and John Collins. Ray Wilkins said before the match on the Sky Sports coverage that Scotland didn't have a prayer. Craig Brown made a slight tactical tweak to this. Scotland had been playing 3-5-2 for years, but he changed it ever so slightly into a 3-4-3 with McCann on the left and Dodds on the right flanking Hutchison, thinking Kevin Keegan wouldn't know how to react tactically to it. He didn't, because that was kind of what Kevin Keegan was. he was a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> was it a very good, very good kind of rah-rah manager attacking football? Yeah, brilliant. Cult of personality. But he's a cheerleader. Ah, he was a cheerleader. In terms no of actual, you know, um, X's and O's, um, to borrow an Americanism, then, uh, no, he wasn't very good at that. X's and O's. I'm just going to glaze over it, to be honest. I'm Grant Redner. <laughs> I just, uh, watching the, the highlights and, and uh, like the game back and stuff like that, it was, it was, this game signifies the end of an era of a very heavy nylon in a football kit. And that was very much well expressed <laughs> by Kevin Keegan drowning in this massive tracksuit that he was wearing. And I was just looking at him, I was like, you look like an absolute dick. And you look at Craig Brown and it's like, ah, he looks okay. <laughs> Kevin Keegan looks like he's in pain wearing that tracksuit. Terrible. This, this was the start of us, uh, this was the start of our descent, I, I suppose. Like, we should have won this. Yeah. In, in terms of over the two legs, the fact that this was a shit, shit England team. I, no, sorry, that's wrong. This was a decent England team, but led by a, a, a dreadful manager. I mean, the, the in terms of the two qualifying campaigns, so I think it was only eight games each, if I remember correctly. Scotland maybe had ten, maybe a slightly bigger group. Uh, England only won three games mm-hmm. in, in qualifying. They they beat and, and two of them were against Luxembourg. They beat Luxembourg twice and they beat Bulgaria. The only reason they even finished second was because they had a better head-to-head record against. Uh, oh, sorry, they beat Poland. Beat Poland and Luxembourg twice. They're a better head-to-head record against Poland. That's why they. That's how they end up finishing second. But for us, this felt like well, it very much was a start. The claim we qualified in '98. Our, our, our qualification records were always built on exceptional defensive performances and clean sheets. But this one, we admittedly finished second behind a very good Czech Republic team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we dropped points against Lithuania, we dropped points against Estonia, we dropped points against the Faroe Islands that just very much felt this was a team that was going backwards and that was obviously uh, very much the case in terms of the next kind of couple of, couple of qualifying campaigns as well. But still, I, I kind of thought we had enough to maybe maybe get through against England because they were led so poorly and if, if it wasn't for that first game, if it wasn't for that, uh, then we would have done. And, and I know there's a, a bit of if you have... If you're 2 not for the first leg, how do you go into the second leg? Do you go for it? Do you sit back? And and it felt like England were, were kind of between two stools in that in that second leg. But aye, it was just a just a frustrating frustrating thing. And even at the end, like the English players didn't really seem like they qualified, but it still felt like they felt embarrassed. We were the ones that were celebrating rather than them. It was yeah. a, it was a weird weird situation. I read an interview where Craig Burley said that he speaking to he bumped into an English journalist after the game that he knew and. It was like, I've just been in there listening to Kevin Keegan saying, talking about trying to go on and win the Euros. He's like, we've just been battered at home by Scotland. We've got no chance. And, yeah. and they were like, like, they were shit. So they, so, so I, they beat Germany in the, in the group stage of Euro 2000, but they lost to Portugal. Germany I, were terrible as well. That's Germany were awful. Eye. That was that, as, as bad a German, a, a German side as, as I've seen. I think they went, was that the was that tournament that went 2-0 up against Portugal and then lost 3-2, then they lost to Romania, so went in the group stages. And as much as, that Czech Republic side, who we finished second behind in the in the qualifiers, were two up in the were two up in uh, Czech Republic and lost three two. That was very frustrating. But regardless, they were, they were so much better than us. I remember that Portugal game well. I was a huge fan of Nuno Gomes for years, just because of those two goals against That's England. Class, it was absolutely class. But the, 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 in terms of the, the, I know the Czechs went out in the group stage as well. However, they beat Denmark, but lost narrowly to France, who'd won the World Cup, and they went on to win this tournament. And they lost narrowly to uh, the Netherlands, who lost to Italy in the semi-finals. So, so that Czech side was a, a really, really good side. But regardless, it still felt that we were very much a team in, in decline, and, and that was very much the case. Did France win it? Spoilers, come on, mate. <laughs> uh, but that was it was it was more than five years ago, so we're allowed to go. Oh, spoilers. That's fine then. Yeah. You still are a pair of fucking idiots, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, England started, England started the better team in this game, had a couple of half chances in the opening 10 minutes through Shearer and Scholes. Then 
as far as you can tell for the highlights, Scotland pretty much, with the exception of a decent Shearer chance in the second half, it's going to pretty much Scotland to having the chances from that point forward. Half chances, though. Aye, yeah. Uh, right. Half chances. Yeah, half chances. Yeah, yeah. Aye, McCann has an opportunity to go through on the left. The ball gets stuck under his foot. Ferguson is quite close to a header, but it's one of those ones. It looks like a really good chance because of the position he's in, but he can't really get over the ball and it would be hard to expect him to do so. So yeah, that would probably be just count as a half chance as well. But then we get the goal. Great pass from Daly. Equally great run and cross from Neil McCann with Hutchison using his run to get high and clear above Adams to header it in. Then we get a nice wee half chance from McCann at the start of the second half as he links excellently with Dodds. There's also a Don Hutchison free kick which Seaman spills. And he just manages to get in the nick of time. You know, just another wee couple of inches. And That's the one that sticks with me. That's always the one. For some reason, I, like, I would have been nine years old uh, when this game was played. I remember quite vividly watching it. But I remember that, like, semen spilling it. And then the sort of the slow motion, essentially, of that big long-haired prick <laughs> jumping <laughs> back and being able to claw it back. And it was like, it's almost like... Because I remember as well, obviously even younger, but the um, the game in the Euros against England at Wembley, uh, David Seaman saving the penalty from Gary McAllister. And I was just, I was like, I hate this guy. Uh, pain and I absolutely hate this guy. But that is always the one that's stuck in my mind. Uh, obviously the, the, the goal and stuff like that as well, but that I've, I've always, it's imprinted. And then comes the moment that everybody talks about. Well, funnily enough, right before then, Billy Dodds is almost three on goal yep. and Tony Adams makes a terrific tackle to disposition and put it out for the corner which then eventually leads to Christian Daly's header. Now, everybody says like, oh, if only he'd put it, you know, a yard this way, a yard that way. He absolutely flings himself at the ball. I'm not sure how much direction he can put into that header. It's a diving header. Yeah, he's he's put all he's put everything into making it to the ball. Yeah, and then from there on in, it's up to God. There's not much he can do in terms of direction. It's a brilliant reaction save. Yeah. What what we should have done? Is right at him though. Uh, he still has to, still has to oh, fling up his arm up. He still has to fling yeah, his arm yeah, okay, I, I thought it was a good uh, reaction to say what we should have done is, is try to lob him for 55 yards <laughs> <laughs> should have done that the entire game because he was shit at it, it. <laughs> he was shit at it uh, Naeem right. I know uh, most people think uh, Ronaldinho but as a Spurs fan uh, an ex-Spurs player lobbing him in the very last second of the Cup Winners Cup final when it looked kind of preordained they'd win on penalties because it seemed like any time Seaman was in goals, whatever team he played for won the penalty shoot, unless it was England at Euro 96. <laughs> God, you, you, honestly, you with your American sports, I don't know if you mean San Antonio or Tottenham when you say Spurs. Wait a minute, are you saying that you, you preferred the goal he conceded to Real Sociedad to the goal he conceded to Brazil? Yeah. Eh, ex-Spurs player. Ah, that's wild. Ah, wait a minute, fuck off. Ex-Spurs player and Arsenal losing a European final in the last minute of the game. Of course I did. England lose to Brazil. Ah, they were going to get beat anyway. Conceding a goal from 147 yards. No, the 9 one was much further out. Aye, but the run other one was, was like at the halfway line. I also don't care. The run <laughs> Ronaldinho one was miles funnier. Aye, they would have beat them anyway. They were rubbish. They were doing it to 10 men and John 1-0. They were doing it to 10 men? Aye. I don't know about that. Craig, your memory memory is worse than mine. <laughs> Apparently. Well, well, was it was it did Ronald Dinho get sent off after that? The, the, thought, Brazil were certainly there. It, it would have been it would have been after they'd scored, that. No, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to work out who got sent off. Ronald got sent off seven minutes after he scored. Right. There you go. So they weren't doing it ten minutes at a time. No, but they were down to ten. No, but they weren't yeah, down yeah. to ten minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah, and if he hadn't scored that goal, the game would have went completely differently. Everybody got sent off. Still, regardless, I find it incredible that that's your favourite. Lob of semen. <laughs> that sounded gross. Anyway, I'll tell you what, that Brazil kit was nice though. The semen lob. I, I don't know. You want me to? <laughs> you want me to say? Semen lob is that, that does sound better than a lob of semen. <laughs> semen lob it is. Right, have we got anything else to say on this? No. This this wish one there. Just wish one they lost. I, I uh, Neil Neil McCann. I think had departed for Rangers at this point, but I was still yeah, yeah. I was still deeply in love with him. Um, and his performance in this was very good. He played like Neil McCann. He ran at them. He got the assist. He could have gone through on goal um, a couple of times. And and I just yeah, I just I love Neil McCann. But that was like my goodbye to him. And and Barry Ferguson was brilliant. Oh, I, I Ferguson. Genuinely thought this point I was like, oh, here we go. Ferguson could yeah. be world class here. Yeah. Similar to, to Billy, similar to Billy Gilmore, and, and he's just going to be. I was gonna, I was not, gonna say that. Similar to not Billy good Gilmore. enough for Norwich. <laughs> Great. Hopefully, he's good enough for Everton. <laughs> okay, I think that'll do us. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Rob. No, thank you. I'm Craig Fowler saying thank you. And if you'd like to hear more for us, we're about to talk about Partick Thistle and how they are being shafted by their board, really. Or the fans... The, fan, the fans that want fan ownership are basically being shafted by the board. So we're going to discuss that and everything that's happening at Maryhill. And we'll be doing that over on the Patreon. And that's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. So make sure to check that out. Right, we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.